I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. Our guest today is Simon Glenister. He's joining us from the Cambridge area of England. I'm told it's in the bump area on the side of England. That's right. <laughs> Simon is the founder and director of Noise Solution, one of the UK's top 100 performing social enterprises. Noise Solution uses music tech to impact the well-being of those facing significant mental health and engagement challenges. Simon recently completed a master's in education at Cambridge University, researching Noise Solution's impact on well-being. He's had 20 years' experience working with people in challenging circumstances and is a multi-instrument professional musician as well. Welcome to the show, Simon. Thank you very much indeed. Great to have you with us. I read a very short description of Noise Solutions Beginnings. It was born out of your many years of experience working in social services where you felt there would be value in elevating and promoting people's strengths rather than simply focusing as intently on the problems in their lives. Can you tell us briefly in just one or two minutes about what caused you to start Noise Solution? Sure, absolutely. Um, first, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you. Um, I spent many years, as you mentioned, working in local government services, working with young people in all sorts of challenging circumstances. And it became clearer and clearer to me that the the subtext to a lot of the interactions that happened in those situations were that a, a professional would be notified that there were issues in a young person's life or challenges or, or flags of behaviours uh, that were worrying in some way. And that professional would enter that young person's life and everything would be focused on what the problems were. It was all deficit-based. Mm. And, the, and the subtext to those interactions was always... I'm the expert. If you listen to me, we'll fix you. You need to do this or you're doing that wrong or you're mm-hmm. doing this wrong. And it, it, there were so many young people that reacted negatively and, and wouldn't engage mm. quite reasonably with, mm-hmm. with, with that process. That, and what I was finding was where I was having success was where I was creating an environment where that young person could feel they were good at something. Mm. And it was irrelevant what that thing was it really really didn't matter what became obvious was that what was really also important was to leverage the thoughts and the words and the actions of the significant adults around that young person and not just to work with them in isolation so yeah creating a space where where kids felt good at something and where uh, you also connected with their family was was a starting point uh, for me. And then at the same time, as you mentioned, you know, I've had this career as a professional musician as well. Mm-hmm. So it was no, no big leap mm-hmm. to think about, OK, can, can we use my experience and specialisms in, in music technology mm-hmm. to create a space where kids kids can feel competent at something and also use that experience of technology to use um, readily available social media uh, platforms, blogging platforms to connect what we were doing to the people uh, around them. It it started as just a a means of capturing what was happening, but what it's developed into is actually a very, very fundamental part of our theory of change of why we understand 
how to impact on well-being. It's become a, a really useful tool within the whole process. It's, it's very central to what we do. Mm. Well, you just did a great job explaining and fleshing out one of the quotes I read of yours that says, we're not fixing people, we're creating the conditions within which they often choose to flourish. Yes, absolutely. So rather than that repeating that subtext of, of those interactions that I already mentioned, where a professional comes in and says, you need to do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and you're doing that wrong and that wrong and that wrong. Mm-hmm. What we're interested doing is creating a space where we facilitate what we now know the the psychological needs that need to be enhanced to impact on well-being all of the work that we do is informed by something called self-determination theory yeah talk to us about that yeah so self-determination theory started uh, about 30 years ago a couple of uh, american psychologists at rochester university i believe okay. called dc and ryan started with the question how do we impact on intrinsic motivation mm-hmm. so by that what i essentially mean is if you imagine a, a toddler crawling around on the floor investigating the world having fun learning that's the ideal you know we Mm -hmm. want everybody to be that excited about their environment and and, and learning what they've gone on to prove empirically time and time and time again with multiple lab tests and examples in the real world around the world many many multiple academic teams have proven that any kind of intervention uh, or exchange where you are either bribing somebody in some way or trying to control them in some way so basically bribery or punishment mm-hmm. uh, any any anywhere where that's happening whether it's school or society or work at best all you ever get is short-term compliance mm-hmm. so which is worrying really because the, our whole world is set up like that <laughs> <laughs> sure well and i've read about some of this in the in the sense of how to apply that self-determination theory to piano students i'm a piano teacher and yeah. so that's always something parents and teachers are really interested in because we as adults see that value in learning a musical instrument but kids are more interested sure. in playing video games or getting together with their friends. So there's loads of really interesting self-determination academic work done on video games oh, as well. Really? It often, so so what, what they've understood and again proven is that the, there are three psychological needs that uh-huh. we need to facilitate. Those needs are a sense of autonomy, being in control mm-hmm. of what's going on around them, having volitional choice meaningfully. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean chaos. You know, it can be bounded, but sure. they have to feel like they're able to make choices. Uh-huh. Uh, we need to, need to feel competent around what we're doing. Uh, we need to feel that we're good at something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, and also, we need to feel connected, related to other people. And, and video games do that really, really well. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you have volitional choice world um you can have a sense that you experience a sense of competency quite quickly as you level up and you can often connect with other people virtually as well so that's really interesting but that also echoes back to the point i made at the beginning where i mentioned that what i was noticing was working with the young people i was working with in those local government settings was creating a space where people felt good at something Mm -hmm. and connected to other people the the missing bit of the the jigsaw that i didn't come to understand until i started doing the academic work was just how important that sense of autonomy was as well 
Mm-hmm. So this self-determination theory really largely informs the conditions that noise solution creates, the conditions within which young people often choose to flourish. Can you talk to us exactly. a little bit about those conditions that noise solution creates? In terms of how we take that theory and map it to what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we typically get referred young people uh, where there's a history of non-engagement, where there's a professional or a family tearing their hair out, saying that this young person is on a very, very negative trajectory. They don't want to engage with anybody. Uh, They feel very left behind. They feel very uncompetent Mm -hmm. uh, in the world. So what we do is present to that young person as a musician, first and foremost. Uh Uh, So consciously disassociating ourselves from being a traditional youth worker or social worker or mental health worker. Yeah, so you're not a therapist, you're a musician. Yeah, we're there just, as far as the young person's concerned, we're there just to make whatever music is that they are interested in doing. So we pair them with that music producer and that music producer is primed uh, and understands how to create an autonomy supportive relationship. So a lot of the work uh, that I did uh, academically was looking at what works when we try to engage young people and the things that are important are democratic relationships. So not top down downloading of information, but creating spaces that are democratic where you co-negotiate goals so that musician and and the participant equally uh, create a music project that they want to embark on. And it's always a music project that's culturally relevant to that young person. We start from the position of saying, what do you want to make? What was the last thing you listened to? What do you look at on YouTube when you're listening to music? Uh, and I'm not going to pretend, or the musicians will say, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in whatever your West Coast trap music might be, because I'm <laughs> probably not. But I do and how to use music technology to help you create it. And we will go on that journey together. But the young person is absolutely in control, mm-hmm. has a say, has that autonomous volition to, to, to help determine what happens within those sessions. Okay. So, so after a referral, Noise Solution pairs a client with a musical mentor. Is that what you call, yes, call them? Absolutely. Okay. And are these mentors, are they full-time employees of Noise Solution? Are they volunteers who have a day job and do this on the side? They get paid and they get paid very well because that's, although we're a, a non-profit organization, I think it's really important to pay people properly. Okay. So this is a full-time job for the music mentors? No, it tends to be something alongside other stuff they're doing. Okay. So, right. so they might be peripatetic music teachers, you know, guitar teachers or okay. um, piano teachers or whatever. They're normally doing other stuff or they're involved with other youth projects because the amount of work varies. I mean, we did something like, it's all one-to-one, the work that we do. We did something like 230 sessions last month. Oh, wow. uh, With 16 musicians across the the whole of that East of England Mm. area. Okay. The work goes up and down, so there's not enough there to to keep somebody employed full-time. Sure. And it's important also to us that those musicians are actual jobbing musicians as Mm. well so there's that level of authenticity Mm. inherent in that work as well sure sure so noise solution will pair a client with a musical mentor and it's for 10 weeks right 10 weeks yeah 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 tell us what happens during those 10 weekly sessions well that's the element where so we've already covered how the autonomy piece maps yeah the competency piece is around 
uh, using technology to get quick wins with people. So as a, as a professional musician myself, who's been really, really lucky, and I've had multiple record contracts and traveled around the world and done all the festivals that you can think of and <laughs> done all that stuff. I, but I never learned to read music. Uh, I was self-taught. And most of the people that I know in that world uh, are in the same boat. Okay. So it's very much not a traditional Western classical approach mm-hmm. at all. It's very informal, purposefully. And it's about using the technology to overcome a lot of the barriers that people experience around music education. Um, I, I speak to some people in America uh, fairly regularly uh, involved in hip-hop pedagogy and, and all sorts of really, really interesting stuff and band programs. And I don't know if it, I don't know if it's the same there, but here, music education can be quite formal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my experience, my own personal experience, uh, and also from conversations that I have with people, is that it works really, really well for quite a small percentage of people. And sure. it also manages to put off an awful lot of people as well. Sure. So... By using a computer to create music, you sidestep any of those issues around notation, scales, all that stuff. And it's not, this isn't a value judgment, one being better than the that's not the case at all. Yeah, well, you already know that this demographic doesn't respond very well to that very structured, formal way of learning. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've worked with 600 kids over the last couple of years. And we start from the position of asking, what do you want to make? Mm. And not one of them has opted to do Western classical music, <laughs> funnily enough. Uh, <laughs> which is something that I said to, uh, I said to we have these things called music pubs here that are geographic areas across the whole country that are responsible for the, the more formal music education offer. And I, I mentioned this to all of their chief execs across the whole country, and you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> 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 literally hear the rattling of jewelry oh. <laughs> and a sharp take of breath um, so within the sessions uh, we do a lot of loop production uh, using digital audio workstations doors uh, so creating hip-hop drum and bass grime dubstep whatever it is that they're into and using pre-recorded loops so it's an arrangement thing really and mm. it's about using uh, music technology to to make volitional choices about creating music out of other people's loops so there's bits of sampling and and all sorts of creative stuff like that so you basically have the world sounds at your fingertips mm. it, it's astonishing what you can create and it doesn't take it doesn't you can get people going very, very quickly. You can then take it to really, really deep levels, but it doesn't take much to get people feeling competent to that quickly. Mm-hmm. And we do a bunch of other things as well. So one of the things that I think works really, really, really well for us is a uh, a piano method that we've enhanced over the years and developed. Um, it's nothing new, but it's about teaching chords to people really, really quickly. So we can teach something like 48 chords mm-hmm. to kids in about 25 minutes oh, uh, wow. using the shapes pedagogy okay. it's really quick and it's magic because it's because of the that that thing i was talking about around the sort of formal nature and, and sometimes that the, the the barriers that come with uh, the social understandings of an, an instrument like the piano it's perceived as something that only clever kids do right mm-hmm. so if you've got a, a kid who's just come out of jail, hasn't engaged with his mental health team, hasn't been to school for a couple of years, and you say, I'm going to teach you to play the piano in 25 minutes, they laugh in your face, right? Mm. But if you do it, <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then they start to trust you. Okay. You start to have those quick wins and then you can use the piano shapes, you know, oh, so you know how to do a, you know, D minor if you arpeggiate through that. But instead of playing a piano sound, we've got some filthy dub bass sound, (laughs) you know, you, you, 
uh, over over a, a drum loop, suddenly you're getting really quick wins. Sure. Well, and then and on top of that musical competency that they're developing, you then kind of capture that in some kind of a digital personalized story. Yes. Yeah. So this is the related element. Okay. So when when I talked about wanting to connect with the people around and leverage the the thoughts and the words of the actions, this is this is where our, our digital platform comes in. So we've invested something like one hundred and twenty thousand pounds in the last few years building a basically um, our own social media platform mm. designed specifically to work with young people in challenging circumstances and their key workers and their families. So the musician and the person we're working with. The young person. I keep saying young person, but we also work with adults as well. But okay. I'm, my background is young people. But okay. so the musician and the participant within each of those ten sessions will digitally capture the highlights of each session. So, for instance, that young person who's just come out of jail that I just mentioned, who's just learned to play the piano, you not only can capture that young person explaining how they've done that, so you create a diary of that, but more importantly, you also capture the reflection of, of how they feel about that. Mm. Um, and we do reflections quite a lot within the sessions. So you're capturing video, the music they create, and it reflects people's everyday social media experiences. So it just looks like a social media feed where you're posting images, posting video. Um, and, and so it builds up this sort of all the micro successes of mm. each session, not recording the whole thing. You just capture all the successes mm-hmm. and, and post. So within each session, for instance, you'd have four or five photos, a video reflection of how they felt about the session, some video of them being competent at, at doing something um, or some links from the web of stuff that they're interested in or bands that they're interested in. It builds this story week on week. The mm-hmm. platform, however, what that does is at the end of every session, uh, it emails out a link to whoever that young person has invited in. So coming back mm-hmm. to that autonomy element, mm-hmm. they have to be in control of who they want to share with genuinely. Mm-hmm. So they might invite into their digital feed, their parent or their social worker or their mental health worker. Okay. So you're projecting out this digital story of their success, mm-hmm. of their competency to, to whoever they deem as important. And again, as it presents as a social media feed, those people can comment on it. Mm-hmm. So from a theoretical perspective, what's actually occurring is you're, you're capturing a record, an immutable record of success, mm-hmm. competence, that young person. You're literally taking it outside of their head so externalizing it so you uh-huh. can process the fact that, oh, there I am being good at something. You know, this young person who has probably been referred because everything else is going wrong and everybody's talking about all the problems in their life. But there I am being competent and good at something that I value. And then you're reinforcing those feelings of competency through the validation that they're receiving in the form of comments from the people, the adults that they identify as the important people in their life Mm -hmm, which also feeds into that relatedness aspect of self-determination brilliant yeah yes love it you've you've done some extensive research on measuring the outcomes of this program yeah yeah talk to us a little bit about those outcomes that you're finding and i have written down here that 40 percent of participants re-engage with education work or voluntary placements yeah yeah so coming back to the self-determination the theoretical perspective that tells us if we create a space where we impact on 
or, or facilitate autonomy and competency and relatedness, then we should impact on well-being. And if we impact on well-being, the evidence is huge and, and unarguable with that if you increase well-being, you get better health outcomes, education outcomes, engagement outcomes, social outcomes, all of that academic investigation work and proof is already in place so well-being for us is, is actually the key we're not actually i don't we don't actually talk about ourselves as a music organization okay. we're an organization interested in in impacting on well-being so it's all wrapped up together the, the engagement or the, or the the progressions of those young people you know 40 percent going into edu- re-engaging with education because a lot of the people that we work with are, are way outside of mainstream education mm-hmm. you know that, that that's not the place they're at mm-hmm. but we're very very successful at motivating people to start processing what's going on in their life to think that actually now I'm in a much better place. I am much more motivated to do something to make different choices. We act very often as a catalyst for change of those those young people, not by telling them what to do, but uh-huh. by creating that space where they start to make better decisions for themselves. Yeah. No, you well, were talking about well-being too. Yeah. And that's another thing that you measure actively with participants. And 66% of them are brought to within two points at or above the UK national well-being average. That sounds pretty yes. impressive. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, we are, I would suggest, quite unusual in our focus on, on impact capture and analysis. Generally, the third sector, do you know the term third sector? Uh, no. So charities or social enterprises okay. have been historically very, very, very poor at measuring what they do, which is kind of why mm. uh, participatory arts organizations are always the, the poor cousin. Sure. And, you know, as soon as any cuts have to be made, it's art that gets it in the neck. Sure. Because we all inherently know that those things have really, really powerful outcomes, but people have been so poor at proving it. So sure. I've, I've basically been on a mission for the last five, all the academic work has been around this. Mm. The, the impact capture has always been at the core of what we do. Well, that's really exciting. I hadn't thought about it like that, but you're right. I mean, even with the musicians and the studies that have been done on musicians' brains, there's so much more available more recently to actually measure yeah. and quantify that in terms of functional MRIs and things like that. Yep. But what you're talking absolutely. about is not necessarily new technology. It just has been underutilized. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, but by focusing on well-being, specific well-being is a really interesting term. And again, I don't know if this is the same in the States. But here, it's, it's a, a concept and a term that's banded around all the time. But people rarely put the effort into understanding what it actually means. Mm. And they'll kind of put their own interpretation on it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it becomes almost overused. And it gets sort of lost in a, in a wash of noise. Whereas actually, it's a really, really useful proxy metric for, for measuring impact uh, that talks to education, it talks to mental health, it talks to local authorities, social services, because by increasing well-being, the evidence, as I've already said, is, is, is already there that we get the outcomes that all those different organizations are looking for. Mm-hmm. So if we find a way of measuring well-being, then we can see how the organization is impacting and we can very we can make a very logical leap that if we're doing that, if we're impacting to a high level on well-being, then we are solving those people's problems mm-hmm. to an extent that they will pay us to work with their young people. 
Mm, yeah. For the first seven years of the organization, we didn't use any grant funding at all. Mm. It's always been a traded income because it's a social enterprise. Mm-hmm. So it's a social business. The, the only way we were going to convince people uh, to actually pay us was to prove that we were having the impact. So that's one of the reasons why the, that impact capture was always right at the heart of, of what we're mm. doing. Sure, sure. Some other impressive statistics about 71% of clients complete the program, 88% attendance among the population of prolific non-attenders, school phobics, yeah. and those facing yeah. challenges around depression and anxiety. About 80% yeah. continue with their music making after the classes are yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Again, I think that all comes down to the self-determination theory stuff. If you create those that right, that right environment, then you create motivation and engagement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You also do quite a bit of research on what you call social return on investment, SROI. Talk to us yes. a little bit about how you do that and what you've discovered with that research. So one of the things that I've learned that's really, really important is to surround yourself with people who are cleverer than you. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh-huh. <the last> <laughs> uh, and what we did was we engaged a Cambridge firm who specialize in data analytics uh, for pharmacy companies, actually. And they're, they're an enormous company, um, but they have data analysts knocking around. And they gave us five of their data analysts to work for eight months looking at, at what the financial return is, given the work we've done around impacts and measuring well-being and attendance and progressions. Uh, so that they worked out you know, for every pound that you spend with Noise Solution, what's the financial return, the mm-hmm. social return on investment that comes back? And they come back with a figure. After after eight months of squirreling away, looking at the academic literatures mm-hmm. around, you know, what, what this would actually mean and some ridiculous maths, <laughs> <laughs> they've come back with a figure of uh, 334% return. So for every pound wow. spent with Noise solution, there's a, a £3.34 return with 190% of that being savings to that, – that's all savings to families and uh, statutory services like mental health or education. Okay. But, yeah, 190% of those savings are within the first year. So it's quite front-loaded, quite mm. immediate, the, the impacts. But we were very, very clear as well. Um, the only brief we gave them – was to a be completely independent because we're not paying them so they were doing it independently okay. which was really important yeah. uh, but also to be very very conservative about what they would and wouldn't claim what happens a lot in the UK is that most organizations are grant funded and they are trying to please their funders mm-hmm. <laughs> so sure. so when they when they do when they do social return on investment investigations They'll often inflate the figures, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I don't think that's at all helpful uh, mm-hmm. to the sector. So, so we told them to be very, very conservative and, and not claim. So, for instance, I can think of five or six people in the last few months that we've worked with um, who've been diverted from, say, acute mental health trajectories where they would go into an acute ward, uh, which we know would cost £80,000 a year mm. or diverted from youth justice uh, incarceration, £60,000 a year. I can think of a number of occasions where that's happened over the last few months that we can pretty directly attribute to what we're doing. But we haven't included those kind of figures in that social return on investment because you can't prove what didn't happen. 
Wow. So, so even, but even with those conservative calculations, there's still that 334% return. Mm, that's incredible. <laughs> Tell us about where geographically you provide services. So we operate in three or four counties across the east of England. So Cambridgeshire, Essex, Norfolk, Suffolk, and starting to work in London, we're looking towards national expansion uh, across the UK first, okay. um, and, and then obviously hoping to take that internationally as well. But to do that, what we're really interested in doing is developing the platform that we've built and using that as a means of making income for the organisation. Mm-hmm. So white labelling it, do you know that term? So sort of creating a blank uh, version of it that oh, we can okay. license Sure. To other sector organisations who mm-hmm. historically have been really bad at proving what they do, saying, mm-hmm. so, here here's a solution for you to, to solve your ability to, to capture and evidence what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it also really easily reports on all of the stuff that we do. Mm, wonderful. You also have been consulting with people here in the US, Texas State University, is that right? Yeah, that's that didn't happen, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, the, the, that report, it was just about to happen, but they didn't get the grant. Oh. Uh, but I regularly talk to, as, a, as a, I think I previously mentioned, uh, there's a whole bunch of people involved in hip-hop pedagogy. So Dr. Elliot Garn out in San Francisco, uh, Dr. Travis in, at Texas, a whole bunch of people doing really interesting work around yeah, yeah, yeah hip-hop mm. programs. Okay. S- similar, but not the same. They're often normally group work situations, but that whole use of of hip hop as a a cultural framework within which to engage with young people is fascinating. So if you if you look at it from a a wider perspective, hip hop has is not just about music. It's about visual arts. It's about dance. It's about the intellectualization, the politicization Mm -hmm. of people. It has all of these different elements to it. Sounds like a great episode in there. I'll have to put that on my radar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've got loads loads of people I can uh, connect you with. Yeah, oh, yeah, wonderful. Absolutely. Well, we certainly wish you all the best in your expansion efforts. We would love to have you over here in the U.S. and uh, love to have some of that research and just the phenomenal results that you've had. I, I'd ask all Thank of you. my guests to give listeners what I call an improv. It's a try this at home and a hack and experiment oh. that will enhance <laughs> listeners' lives with music. Do you have a recommendation for yeah. us today? Well, one of the things that I do a lot with the young people is found sound. So creating pieces of music by essentially going out into the world with them and just taking a phone and using the phone to record a walk that you know go through town or your city or wherever you are uh, and get them to basically kick and punch things <laughs> to, to record the sounds that they make or the conversations that they walk past or the ambiences that you're walking through maybe you're walking through a market whatever it might be and then we'll take that recording email it to ourselves back into the studio stick it in the computer program chop it up and use that to create textures and rhythms and that's always a really really fun engaging way to not only create something new but also uh using samplers within the computer you can take a sound that's that you can just take a a, you know a tiny sort of couple of milliseconds of that sound and then loop it Mm. 
so that it plays continuously. And then you're creating tones, you're creating new sounds that have never been heard before by anyone ever. Yeah, that sounds awesome because another thing that does too is it's almost like a record in a journal sense of sounds in your life at that time. Like if it was a sound of your pet or the sound of your neighborhood or the sound of a group of people that you hang out with or a sound of a baby crying or laughing. And then to hear that later, you know, years later would take you right back, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's quite interesting. So we've been doing this for 10, the the, the process of uh, engaging young people and, and using blogs and all the rest of it, we've been doing for 10 years. The platform we built is new over the last couple of years, and it brings all those things together in one place. Um, but we've been doing it for 10 years, and I would say maybe two or three times every month or two, people will come back from years later and say, I, I just need to get the login details for that blog so I can go back to that point in my life where somebody was telling me I was good at something because mm. I just that emotional touchstone mm-hmm. just to go back and see it's fascinating really interesting oh i bet well how can listeners learn more about noise solution connect with you connect with your work sure so uh website would be the obvious place to go to www.noisesolution.org and yeah all the contact details are there so if anybody wants to get in touch and ask any questions i'm more than happy to do that not a problem at all wonderful i'll include that in the show notes and also some other links that are available on the website but that you sent to me that i'll put on there for quick access i ask all of my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending i call it a coda by sharing uh-huh. a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life tell us about the song that you're going to be sharing with us today the song I'm going to share is just, a, we, we call it Anthem. Uh, essentially, it was made by a young person we worked with. And that young person had not been outside his house for nine months. Mm-hmm. So he was diagnosed agoraphobic. And we went and engaged him in the house and started showing him how to use music technology. He was already into music and he was writing lyrics. Um, but we showed him how to put stuff together on the computer. And then about two months after we finished working with him he emailed me saying i've made this um and what do you think um but what was really interesting about it was that he had developed the sense of social capital and belief in himself to go out and find other people to work with in the community so that progression had resulted in this piece of music being made and if you listen to it if if i'd wanted to pay somebody to write an anthem for noise solution explaining how powerful music can be this would be it (laughs) um so yeah so i'm i'm going to share that because lyrically it's just really really powerful in terms of the impact that music had for this young man once a little way with dreams, now an adult trying to make it Wishing on a star for a chance so I can take it Made a promise to my mum and I swore I wouldn't break it I'm feeling motivated, aiming higher than a spaceship Getting ham on every verse, I put my passion into music But didn't have that, I'd be in jail for something stupid Music is my saviour, it turned my life around Helped me through the hard times when I was hella down Just a kid who couldn't focus in and out of different schools Mixing with the wrong crowd, had me breaking different rules I never paid attention when it comes to education I couldn't learn a lot but I was lacking dedication Depression overtook me, I can find no motivation So music came along and gave me loads of inspiration So music is my therapy, helped me through my life Kept me going strong and now my future's looking bright Turns out as it should
wasn't that long ago I was close to going down So I turned my life around Trying to make my daddy proud No matter what I do I'm followed by this dark cloud This underdog's been around for years Hear me bark loud My voice on the trap Finally is branched out Forget 2014 Listen to my bars now I'm putting in the passion And the work going all out Praying that I see the sun Break through the storm cloud I've set a new path away From the courthouse It's just my pen and pad My bars and my work All I've known to get money Is grinding on curbs I lost a lot of friends Putting the queen's head first And I'm the main reason For my mumsy's hurt Fam I never listened I was too involved with dirt Going behind the back And taking money from my purse Getting into situations Fam I seem to make them worse Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be back next week, just in time for baseball spring training, with an in-person interview with Minnesota Twins organist, Sue Nelson. We'll be talking about sports and music, especially baseball and organ. It was such a treat to meet Sue on location at Target Field and get a behind-the-scenes look at the inner workings of the stadium. It was a little chilly and also fun to see Target Field covered in snow, a first for me. I've already posted some pictures on social media and I'll be posting some more. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.